Impact leadership. What does it mean to wake up each day knowing your work, effort, and passion is being transformed into creating change that makes a difference in your business, organization, community, and your own life experience? And it can be hard to stay on track when at times the winds do not blow in your direction. But you persevere one step forward at a time, creating something better. This is fulfillment in action. And this is passion for impact. Educating, empowering, and elevating social consciousness in people, business, and teams. One inspiring conversation at a time. Passion for Impact is brought to you by Rock Your Leadership. We train leaders on how to grow success, drive change, and not burn out. Visit passionigniter.ca for more details. This is the Passion for Impact podcast with speaker, trainer, and socially conscious advocate, Tricia Miltimore. Today, Trevor Walker is here on the show. And can I say, I have a bit of a professional crush on this man. I feel like he sees into people in a way that really brings out the best in who they are. It's inspiring. Trevor is on a mission to prove that you are photogenic. (laughs) I love that. Once a recruiter turned photographer, Trevor has recently moved into being a teacher to other business owners as well. What I love about his work is how he captures the essence of someone's spirit in a single photograph. I've been watching uh, Trevor share his passion, his purpose, and God-given talents online and reached out because I know personally how hard it can be to turn a passion into a business. Trevor has done it and done it well, and I want to know all his secrets on how to be an impact maker while developing a brand and creating a business that works all at the same time. Trevor, thank you for being on the show. That, that was a fantastic introduction. Thank you for having me here. I appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it is all true. And I should point out that people can actually find you at trevorwalkerphotography.com. Um, it's all true. And I just, you know, it's amazing what happens when a great photograph is taken of someone. And I've had this happen for myself in the past. I should probably talk to you because I probably need some updates mm-hmm. um, about that moment when you're like, oh my, you almost see yourself in a different way. And that's probably a big part of the impact, your superpower. What's that like to work with people and then help see themselves in a slightly different way? And you notice it's funny that you say that because what my intent is to not have them see themselves in a different way, but to see themselves how they are. It sounds okay. corny, but for me, the biggest compliment is when someone looks at a picture and says, oh, that's me. Because more often than not, when we're in front of a camera, someone's saying smile or they're they're giving you instructions on how to fake an expression or pose in a way that's uncomfortable. And it leads to this whole whole system of like just awkward pictures. So my whole thing is about how do you genuinely look like you? So if you're talking to somebody, having a great conversation, what does that expression look like and how do we get that in a picture? That's kind of my main drive. Wow. So that's so let's talk about the creative side before we kind of dive into all the business and context about, you know, mm. how you got started and whatnot. Cause I do find that just so inspiring. How how do you get someone to that place where then you can capture that moment? You know, it it's it's a funny because it's 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 a whole combination. The first thing I make sure I do is is slow things down. Mm. So for me, when someone comes in the first five, 10, 15, 20 minutes, sometimes an hour, we just chit chat and and not in a way that's forced or scripted. It's just kind of me sitting someone down saying, you know, what are we here for? What are we doing for you? Okay, you're doing this. Then, you know, what's your career? Where is this coming from? What's the impact for you to have great images? And then we we spin it off into a conversation of like not about photography at all. Um, and I take time to get to know people. 
So mm-hmm. for me, that's the first thing that opens up because we like to talk about ourselves. So I get people to kind of open up a little bit more. And then when we're in front of the camera, I, I, I still make it about the conversation that two of us are having. So it's not about pose a certain way or smile or do this. It's kind of organic that as we're talking and doing things, we're, we're capturing these kind of amazing expressions that show who the person truly is. Wow. Well, if, you know, I invite everyone to go on LinkedIn and follow your work or go on your website because mm-hmm. the pictures are like, I want to look like that. <laughs> like they're just so <laughs> genuine and, and beautiful. So take us back. Help us understand your journey because truly it seems to me from the outside looking in at least that you have a certain passion for the work you do and you are making impact with it. Where did that all start from and how did you move into it um, and what was that journey like? Um, so my, my previous career was a recruiter or a headhunter, as some people might know it. Mm-hmm. And I was tasked to find uh, uh, employees or future employees for employers. So I was all about kind of like like reading people and learning about someone and learning about their background and, you know, kind of figuring out what makes them happy career-wise and what makes them uh, work well with others. So I was always super interested in people. Um, and, then, uh, and then speaking lightly, in, in 20... 12, 2013, technically, my wife bought me a course. 2012, I bought my first digital camera. And 2013, my wife got me a, um, a Groupon for uh, photography lessons in a park. It was just some crazy guy that was just yelling and he was all energetic and he was teaching us about cameras. And uh, when he was doing that, I realized that as we were taking pictures, when I pointed the camera at my wife, I enjoyed interacting with her and kind of making her smile and making her kind of feel good about herself. Um, and that's what kind of started me loving the creative side. And then from there, I was I was shooting everything, headshots and family photos and engagement photos and everything. Um, and then along that path, I decided that because of my career, um, talking to people was my favorite thing. So I wanted to be it about people. And, and then I went through family photography and kind of zeroed into headshots. And, and for me, it was about having that connection with another human being, talking to them, getting to know them, you know, even just uncovering things like when it's in front of my camera, what they don't like about themselves. If they're like, I don't like my chin. I'm like, great. I have a way to fix that in camera so that you're getting the best angle without hiding who you really are as a person. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where the, the, the creative journey for me came. And then it, it ended up four and a half years ago now, I guess at this point, we were going to move to Kelowna and, and I was like, I want to start a business. I want to be my own employer as well. And this photography thing's awesome. I love it. So I'm just going to leave my entire career behind <laughs> and start to become a full-time photographer in a brand new city where I knew no one. So it was a it was a big leap of faith, but uh, but it's, it's worked out well so far. Wow. Okay. Okay. The, the, sec- the second point I want to talk to you about is when you actually made the jump from the your current your career at the time to a new yeah. one because that's a big conversation. But before that one, which I know a lot of people listening are like, well, how how did he go from like a course and liking to do it and you know to actually charging for it and having the confidence to be like, oh, I'll take I you know I have packages for you as a family. I have a mm-hmm. I, like, there's that little bit of a bridge that is sometimes so insurmountable for people. Yeah. How did you do that? What's your secret there? You know what? It's really not a secret. It's it's for me. I I I spent a lot of time, and while I was working a full time job, a lot of money uh, educating myself. Mm-hmm. So it was a couple main things. I tried to find, and I found a, a guy by the name of Peter Hurley. He's probably one of the best headshot photographers in the world. And now I mentor people for him. But I found him, and I said, I want to do that. I love the way this guy is. Let me go do a course. Let me join his membership. 
you know, and then from there, I made sure to surround myself with people that are successful. I think that a key for success as a business owner and as a creative is about surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded, um, mm-hmm. who also push you, push you to be better and push you to try new things. So I did that and, and it gives you a level of humility that that uh, allows you to constantly tweak what you do and get better and better and better and better. Um, so that's kind of where it, it started to dial in. And then when I have all these friends who are successful headshot photographers all over the globe, it, it kind of starts to build a foundation that you're like, well, how do you do this? And how do you do that? And then talking to enough people, you you kind of build up what a structure looks like. Mm. Um, and then at, at a certain point, it's literally a leap of faith. You just have to say, well, I'm going to charge. And then I would say, <laughs> here's, I'll charge you. How about $50? And then it's like, yeah. And you're like, oh my God, that's $50. Wow. And then it becomes higher and higher and higher. And then you kind of, you build up a business around that. Mm-hmm. I always tell business owners in my coaching practice that you don't need to cross a bridge until you get to it. So you don't have to worry about your say $5,000 package because you will naturally get there just by taking the action steps. So I love that. You know, my first speaking gig was I think 150 bucks, <laughs> like, right. you know? Yeah. Um, okay. So that's someone listening right now really needs to hear this stuff. So I so appreciate you sharing it. So mm-hmm. you took a leap of faith and you left your previous career, started a whole new business uh, you know, if you could go back in, in time to those first six months, what was that like? Yeah, that was an interesting journey. So like I said, I moved to a city where I didn't know anybody. I was in an area that uh, I am I mean, I'm in Kelowna, British Columbia for, for all intents and purposes. It's a small city. It's about 150,000 people ish, mm-hmm. give or take. And, uh, and then so for me, it was more about um, marketing. I've been doing sales for most of my, my career as a um, as a headhunter, as a recruiter, it's mostly a sales kind of a role. So for me, I kind of had a foundation of how to talk to people and what to mm-hmm. say. And then from there, it was just about developing a plan. So I knew I liked talking to people. So I said, where do I start? I need to get in front of as many people as possible. So I did it virtually and I did it digitally um, through Facebook ads and Google ads and all that as a whole. I could talk for five hours on that alone. That was a whole like... Every spare minute I'm on blogs and I'm looking up how to do SEO and how to do Google ads and what a click conversions are and, and all this email funnels and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But on the the more profitable side early on was I joined uh, networking groups. I joined the local chamber of commerce and I would go to every event I could go to and try to meet people and try to just genuinely build a connection with certain human beings. Um, and that was probably the most success I had was that. It wasn't wasn't selling, discounting, promotions. It was none of that. It was just meeting people that I connected with. And then in that in that journey of connecting with another human being, you talk about what you do. And then once you start to talk about it, it uh, uh, you normally build up a relationship to the point where they're willing to say, "Well, let me let me give you a shot. Let me tell my friends about you." So that's kind of what I focused on to grow the business at first. Mm, okay. So you had a focus in the very, very early days of being around like-minded people, professionals who are already doing the work. So you, when you can see it, you can be it kind of thing. And then later on when you launch is now creating the connections and actually getting out there networking with human to human. I think that's yeah. so important. Um, if I could go back 20 years, I would tell myself to do way more of that than well, a yeah. lot of the other, <laughs> the other things I, mean, I spent a lot of time on. <laughs> yeah. Because the thing is a lot of people when they start a business, they feel like they need to sell. And as somebody who sold for 25 years, you don't. So, you know, we, we, we love talking to and buying from people that we know, like, and trust. 
So that's the most important thing. You know, there's a, there's a whole thing about referrals. If you ask somebody for a referral, if you say, who's a great car mechanic? Somebody will say, oh, go talk to Dave at ABC Mechanic. He's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with his pedigree, nothing to do with his years of experience or what he does. They'll just refer people that they know, like, and trust. So I kind of ran with that and said, I want relationships anyways, because I'm brand new in the city. Um, and that was the path that I chose to kind of build my business around. Oh, very good. Now, you had mentioned in the kind of pre-interview form that when I ask about you, you're forever learning, you're enjoying humility and making mistakes. Mm. I, I love that. So yeah. if you wouldn't mind sharing, what are some of the you know biggest mistakes you have made and what have you learned from them? Holy, I make them all, to, all, all the time, all the time. <laughs> you know, I think as a, as a business owner, we, we get the joy of enjoying our successes, mm-hmm. but we also get the joy of learning from our failures. So yeah. I'm, a, I'm very, very big on identifying um, failures and mistakes because then it allows me to kind of say, okay, cool, what do I have to do next time to ensure that doesn't happen? You know, and, and when you ask about what mistakes, I mean, there's so many. I remember, you know, there's a whole range. There was one, if I give an example, that I thought I was going to get into Google Ads. And I was spending about 1500 a month on Google Ads. And I was getting nothing. But but I had no idea because I just know that if you spend money on ads, and you'll get stuff. Mm. So I, I didn't educate myself on what I was spending money on. And I went for probably 10 months, you know, which is really 15000 plus that I spent with almost no results because I didn't understand how Google Ads worked. So that taught me to kind of be like, hey, you know what? Play in your lane. If you want to get good at Google Ads, get really good at Google Ads. Don't just try it out and see. Understand what what each component means and and do it or don't do it at all. Because then if you are somebody that enjoys being face-to-face, put your energy heavily into that. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're a person that likes to be behind a screen, then put your energy heavily into that. But that for me made a big difference because then all of a sudden I was able to get really, really good at my networking and then say, okay, cool. I've kind of, I'm really comfortable. It's a machine that's running. How do I build the next marketing machine? Okay, cool. Let's get really deep into Google ads. And when that was running, I was like, okay, cool. Now let's get into Facebook ads. Let's get into SEO. And it allowed me to have like multiple marketing machines that are running relatively autonomously. Um, but but it was the mistake of screwing up and spending a ton of money and not seeing results before I started to say, okay, you know what? I, gotta, I have to get better at this. Hmm. So how did you get better at that? Because I feel like I've spent a lot on Google, Facebook, all that kind of stuff in mm-hmm. multiple of our companies. And it's it just seems like a world that's really hard to stay on top of. And it so is. How, how did, yeah. Like, so you've had great success with those platforms? I mean, it depends on the success. I run, I run a simple model of 3X. So if I spend a thousand on ads, I want to make an additional 3000. So 4,000 total. Mm-hmm. So, so in terms of revenue, so that that's kind of how I've been gauging my success. And that again, all of this is not based on me; um, it's based on on all of the people I surround myself with. So I'll talk to my friends and the ones that are really good at digital marketing. I'll say, "What, what do you do?" Mm-hmm. And then one of them's like, "Well, you know, if I spend a thousand dollars, I want uh, three thousand back." And I was like, "I like that model. How's that worked for you?" And they'll be like, "It worked here. It didn't work there. Great." And then I implement something similar until I see that it's worth changing. So. Um, that, that's kind of how I've, I've run it. In terms of keeping up, that's where I'm saying it's very difficult. Like when I talk to new business owners who are trying to grow, I really stress stay in your lane. If you want to get into digital marketing, cool. Um, but there is an insane amount of work and upkeep that you have to do because things change constantly and they don't advertise it. It's not like when you update your phone and you get a, a list of new features. If, if SEO changes, Google does it multiple times a year where the algorithm changes. They don't tell anyone. But then you have a whole world of people that are that are A/B testing for you, 
So, so if you're willing to do the research and keep up with the knowledge, that's, that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, at this point know that I spend way more time on things other than Google ad, Facebook ad and SEO. Uh, but that's also the benefit of if you, if you get to a certain level of, 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 um, I don't want to say success, but if you're busy at a certain level, SEO kind of manages itself because you naturally have a high number of people going to your website. So, so, but again, there's certain things you just have to figure out what you really want to dig into. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, say, I say it all the time. If someone's like, oh, I really don't want to get into Google ads, then absolutely don't. Don't right. need someone to do it or, or learn yourself, but don't just don't jump in if you don't want to do it. As you are out there sharing your company now and the work that you do, do you find there's a certain social platform that works better for you? Like from sharing perspective mm. and kind of the nat- natural attention it creates? LinkedIn by far. Okay. Yeah. LinkedIn, uh, I actually developed a system about kind of how to best utilize LinkedIn um, because it's one of the one of the less saturated platforms and it's kind of a collective space where business professionals will go and it's kind of protected from the outside world of spam. Um, mm-hmm. It still exists. It's still prevalent, but nowhere near as much as most other social media platforms. So I found that my non-referral based revenue, about 70 to 80% of that comes from LinkedIn. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's that's a, that's it's how I found number. you. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you talk about enjoying humility. What do you mean by that? Mm. I think it's, uh, um, the most successful business owners I've ever met are humble people. So they they realize they make mistakes. They fully accept that it's in their control because you have to. If you don't accept control over your mistakes, then all you're doing is setting yourself up for the next finger pointing and you become an externalizer. So for me, the, there's nothing uh, – uh, if, if I say, oh, I'm slow right now. Why am I slow right now? And if I start saying it's the market, it's the economy, oh, you know, people don't want to spend money. If I start projecting my own insecurities onto the reasons why I'm not successful, then I lose control over my ability to control that. So mm-hmm. humility allows me to say, what's going on? Let me look at myself. If things are slowing down, how, how's my marketing doing? Am I spending the time working on the revenue generating activities? Am I spending the time connecting? Can I, can I put more time where I can control that so I'm not just slow right now? And um, I've worked through recessions. I mean, when I was a headhunter, I worked through the, the last recession. And all of my colleagues were, were saying to me, hold tight. Um, you're not going to be busy. No one wants to spend money. And some of my best recruiting years were, were during a recession where I got some of my largest clients ever was during the recession. Because I was like, it, it has to be in my control. Business is somewhere. I just need to find out where that business is and market to them. Okay. I love the attitude. It's yeah. what gives you that kind of resiliency to um, kind of persevere in the face of those other kind of factors saying that you can't, shouldn't, not the time, that kind of thing. You know, it's it's just the belief that you have control over what you do. Hmm. To me, it's it's terrifying to imagine that as a business owner, I don't have control over getting new clients. Uh, and, and then if that was the case as a business owner, that if you're just sitting back kind of waiting for clients and you don't have the ability to find new ones, you're at the mercy of so many components around you. And, and as business owners, it doesn't matter if you're a, a convenience store or you're, you're a, a multi-million dollar company. I have the benefit that I get to talk to some amazing business owners in my profession uh, because they're getting headshots. And it's a very constant thread for all of them that there's no barriers to them being able to be successful. But there's also no barriers for them failing too. 
So, mm-hmm. so I think that for me is the, you know, you say resilience, but I call it a bit more ignorance on my end because I don't see it as, as anything else other than my ability to control it. And if I can't, and if I don't want to, and if I'm tired, then cool, um, let's figure out what's going to work better to help me grow my business or help me build my coaching platform or whatever the case may be. You know, you just, if it's more in your control, you can just do so much with it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, um, as they pursue their passion and want to create a business from it, or maybe it's an intra- intrapreneur kind of situation, is that they, they don't know exactly where to put their energy, that there's so many possibilities of how to grow. Uh, it can be overwhelming. Any suggestions to people to, to zone it in a little bit? Yeah, track everything. It's the biggest, the most important step I've made um, is tracking everything. So if you want to, so I have what I call revenue generating activities. They're activities that I do on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis that guide me towards my financial goals. Um, sorry, I should say financial targets. So I don't do like revenue goals. I don't do any of that kind of stuff. I just say, what activities do I do that are going to generate me revenue? Let me do more of those. But a part of that is you have to figure out which ones work. So then I say, okay, if I post on LinkedIn, for example, consistently, what what results do I get after a month and how do I track that? So then, you know, if I have somebody that messages me on LinkedIn saying, hey, I want to book a session, I make a note of that. Mm-hmm. And then I look forward two, three months later and say, what data do I have? Okay, great. Hey, when I did these posts, I had this many people per post reach out to me for booking sessions. Okay, now I know. So how much is each person on average worth when they come in? You're like, hey, great, I make X amount of dollars. Now I know that the activity I do will on average generate me this kind of revenue. And the more you track that, which a lot of business owners, especially creatives say like, ugh, to track all that. <laughs> but yeah. if, you want, uh, uh, if you want to be able to control the success of your business, you need to know what the right things are. And a lot of times how business owners run is they do what they think feels right based on their opinions. And to me, that's dangerous because I am not my ideal clientele. Um, my ideal client's different. So, you know, even typically people that provide a service don't feel that their service is worth the money they charge. If they do, it's probably because they're undercharging. But most people, if you go to a graphic designer and they charge you 150 an hour, if you ask them, would you pay 150 an hour? They'd say, oh, no way. <laughs> I'd pay 10 bucks an hour. No way. But yet they charge more. So there's a there's a bit of an indifference you have to keep and not be opinionated and let your facts and let your own personal opinions bleed into your business. So tracking data is the cleanest way of doing that. And it can be simple things as if you want a cold call, which I don't recommend anymore, that those days are pretty much done. Um, but if you want to do that, then how many times are you talking to people versus how many are taking the next step to either a meeting or giving you business? The more you track that, the more you can dial in what you do. The, the benefit to this is that once you develop a set of, of revenue generating activities, then you're no longer saying, how much am I making this month? oh my gosh, I'm not at my goal. I need to go crazy and find more business. Mm-hmm. Instead, you say, am I doing the activities I know generate me X amount of revenue typically over a monthly period? I have. Great. Success. I got them done early today. I'm taking the afternoon off. Mm. So it wildly changes uh, how, how the people I've worked with, how they approach the business and it's way less stressful. Mm, yes, I can definitely appreciate that. Let's talk about work-life uh, I describe it as synergy, not balance, but mm. I guess most people would know it as work-life balance. Mm. How does how does that factor in for you? If I, if I remember correctly, at one point I saw you had a baby girl. Is that right? I do. I do. Yeah. yeah. She's almost two years old. Yeah. What? Crazy. I know. I know. Ah. It's awesome. 
Yeah. So how do you manage all of that? Because, you know, sometimes the business, especially when we know we're, we're making some impact and doing good, it can really suck, suck you in, right? Yeah. You know, it's a great point. It's funny when you talk about work-life balance, I, I don't like that phrase myself either. Mm. And I don't like it because uh, uh, for me, it's twofold. One, people think it's a badge of honor to work more than you live, um, which is a fallacy. In, in in early days, it might seem like, yeah, I'm busy. You know, it's, I always find it strange when I say, how are you doing? Someone's like, oh my God, so busy. I'm like, mm. stop it then. Slow slow it down. Because <laughs> you, you want to work to enjoy life. Like, for me, the I built my business around uh, the flexibility of spending as much time with my child, and I, I built this business long before we had a child. But I, I built it knowing that we wanted kids, and I wanted to make sure that if I just wanted to take an afternoon off and and go see, spend time with my child, and go to the park, whatever I can. Um, mm-hmm. You know, now she's in daycare, so it's a bit different. But for the first almost two years, she was at home, so I would work and then. I work from home. So I'd go upstairs and spend a couple hours with my daughter and then come back downstairs, shoot another client, go back upstairs and, you know, and, and it's magical to be able to have that. So for, for me, everything's about, and this is why I go back to revenue generating activities, because when you have a set of activities, you know, are going to work, then you can say today, I need to have an afternoon where I'm going to go visit some friends and grab some coffees. So now I have a truncated amount of time to get my revenue generating activities completed. Great. But you complete them, you celebrate it and you move on. A lot of mm-hmm. business owners say, okay, am I am I on track for generating the revenue? I should, you know what? I got to spend a bit more time. I got to find a couple more clients. Okay, let me, ooh, what am I going to do? Then it becomes this insanely stressful activity. Um, so that's how that's how I kind of break it down is the work-life balance is everything to me. So, and for me, it's not work-life balance. It's the ability to live life whenever and however you want to live. That is far more important than working. It, and it, it, it's not at the sacrifice of revenue because- uh, you know, revenue is just a matter of what activities you're doing and what the return on your investment is of time. So, so it's it's a very important thing if I answered that properly. No, it's great. Well, all the insights are so helpful, right? And I love that you are now um, being teaching this to other people as well. So, that's what we need in this world, right? So, mm-hmm. tell me more about when you sit down with a client and you're deciding on those revenue generating activities. Is there a, like top three that you usually start? And I know it probably changes with the industry and work being done, that kind of thing, that services. But what is there a top three you would typically recommend people start out with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So if I say the the kind of the system I developed is, is based on LinkedIn as an example, mm-hmm. um, but it's about being socially present. So on social media, it's about posting, engaging, and connecting. So it's about it, the more that you can be active, the more you can be top of mind for potential future clients. So for me, LinkedIn is an example. I post uh, regularly, not too much, but I post and I post uh, uh, genuinely of who I am as a person or most often I'm posting about my client experiences. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, and then I engage on, on people. So if somebody has a post that I think is kind of cool on LinkedIn, I'll celebrate that post and say, congrats, this is amazing information. You know, you try to like engage with somebody. And then I add connections um, always. I try to add at least, I want to say five people um, I know through LinkedIn a day. Uh, so I'm being very granular towards LinkedIn as an example, but most times that's where a lot of business will come from. So I'll tell people that I talk to, spend more time on a social media platform and then mm. set up activities that are going to be making you top of mind. And it's a lot more in depth than that in terms of the content that you choose to do. But that's the the main thing I would say. Become more socially active in one platform and start to build a bit of an audience or a following that um, that are your ideal clientele. 
Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to be on everything and following all the trends everywhere. And that's that's the scary part is a lot of people or everyone chases virality. So they'll be like, oh, I have a TikTok account. I have an Instagram account. I have a my Facebook account. And I have three business pages and I have my personal Facebook. And I, you know, but then when you look and say, well, what do you do? Oh, I just post everything on all the social media at the same time. So then you're... You're just you're duplicating your or you're wasting connection points with potential clients because you're posting the same thing six times. So I stay instead is what I say is delve deep into one of them. If you if you like Instagram and if that's generated you revenue before, then be on Instagram, but go deep. Be be deeper than everyone else who's just using it to post pictures of their family. Be deep about how you use it as a platform because they're all extremely in depth. And I don't know anybody who's successful on more than two platforms at one time. And that's a great point, right? Because how much time and energy do you have? And return have? on time, yeah. And mm-hmm. normally you'll have you'll have an audience on on Instagram, for example, and that audience probably would follow you on TikTok, or you know, a similar audience would follow you kind of on LinkedIn. So if you're going to go that route, now you need to generate unique uh, content for each platform, or you lose somebody in those groups because they're saying, "I'm not going to follow you on Instagram anymore because you just post the same thing you post on LinkedIn." So it's, that's why I'm saying it's building, going to one platform that's going to best suit your business. And that one item might be going to networking groups instead. If you hate being on social media, then join your local networking group or your local uh, referral platform and then use that as a way to, to build connections. Mm-hmm. I love it, Trevor. You are uh, a fountain of information. <laughs> what is a favorite book of yours? Are you, what are you currently reading? Uh, mm. What's on your, your nightstand? Do tell. Story, it's for me, it's, I've read it six times, but it's oh. Story Brand by Donald Miller. Okay. Um, it's, I have not heard that one. I, it's, it's one of the game changing books I've ever read. And I, I read a lot. I love reading. Mm-hmm. But the Story Brand, it's about a model about how you communicate uh, what you do. So, mm-hmm. and they have a, a seven step kind of process for mm-hmm. how you communicate what you do to your potential future clients and your existing clients. And it, it changed the way I talk. Because, you know, a lot of times as a business owner, if somebody's like, you know, hey, what do you do as an example? Then I would say, oh, I'm a headshot photographer. I take I take pictures of people. But with StoryBrand as an example, it, it talks a bit, it's quite in depth. But the high level is instead you might say, well, I help people look photogenic. And it's a very different value because now I'm saying something that makes my clients the hero. As opposed mm. to saying, I am a headshot photographer and I do this for people. Most don't care. <laughs> if they don't know you, they don't care what you think you do for other people. What they do care about is what your clients, your, your former clients have experienced through you. That's powerful. Um, so StoryBrand delves a lot into that for sure. Fantastic mm. book. Very good. Very good. Okay. Sunday night, you're sitting down, you get your, to have your favorite meal. What would that be? Favorite meal? Whew. I mean, I'm I'm a bit chubby, so I like a lot of food. That's a, <laughs> that's a, that's my favorite meal. I mean, the, the easy go to is sushi. I'm a big fan of sushi. Nice. I'd say um, that's it. Sushi and ramen are kind of my two top things. Very cool. Okay, now now we know you a little bit deeper. You know, mm-hmm. we know more about Trevor right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're growing this business and mm-hmm. now you're coaching people on to grow their own as well. What's next for you? What's coming up for Trevor Walker Photography? Uh, you know, it's funny because I actually have I have um, four businesses. So I have the coaching business. I have rental units as well that I rent out, um, and then I have a commercial arm of my business, mm-hmm. and then and then my Trevor Walker Photography. So for me, it's about kind of expansion. I'm looking at uh, I want to be able to ha- expand my business is 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 one that's necessary for sure in certain facets because I can't 
I'm getting to the point where I can't keep up anymore. But also I'd love to be able to help out other photographers because most photographers are really no good at marketing. They're very good at the art of it, but they're not good at marketing. So ideally I'm looking to hire uh, uh, one to four to start photographers to work for me. Um, mm-hmm. And then they would kind of help me expand the business and work on different facets. Cause I do commercial photography. I do headshots. I do portraits. Um, so help me expand those groups out. Oh, very cool. But, yeah. And when you think of this expansion and bringing people on, is there a certain culture that you want to create? Um, I would imagine you probably have some ideas around that. Yeah. Being a former recruiter, I have lots for sure. The, <laughs> the you know, the, there is something when, when somebody leaves, a, when they change a business and they expand, um, you fundamentally change your role as an employer. Uh, because when you become an employer, you become a leader of people as opposed to a sole proprietor. You just have to make sure you do what you do best. Mm-hmm. So it does change things. For me, I want to make sure that I can I can hire people that are willing to grow in the areas that they really want to. And I'm able to provide support in the areas that they might not be as strong. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then this way, they can grow and they can be very, very fulfilled. And in the areas that they're, they're I don't say weaker, but they don't focus their time on, then I'll have things in place that'll help make that component easier. Mm-hmm. You know, and ideally for me, if I have people that are working for me that enjoy life and they're making money they're very happy with, you know, and they get to have a little bit of the work-life balance as well, then that, that's a big win. I love that. I think they get a lot of resumes. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. So if you could go back five years and give yourself some wisdom, what would that wisdom be? Uh, you know, the, I'm not one on regrets. I, I really don't don't live with regrets in general. But I and I wouldn't want to change anything. So this is strange. But if I were to, I would say like, don't don't be afraid to make a jump. You know, as humans, we're really really good at dealing with crises. So if you take a jump and that crisis is, oh my gosh, now I have to run a business. We're all very good at dealing with it. And I don't mean in the sense of being successful, but I mean, if you just take a jump and take a risk that you wouldn't normally take, very quickly you'll know if it's for you or if it's not for you. You know, and you all, it's so rare that you can't recover from taking a big risk, uh, as long as it's not financial in nature. Uh, meaning, like, you know, don't, if you don't have any money in the bank, don't decide, I'm going to start a whole business. You need some financial stability to make any decisions. Mm-hmm. But that's what, if I were to go back in time, I would say, like, uh, you know, y- you can pull the trigger now. You're good. You'll you'll do well. You're okay. Mm-hmm. It's always hindsight, such a powerful thing, too, right? Mm-hmm. What is um, the intuition? How does that play in your life? You know, personally and professionally, have you had moments where you didn't follow your intuition and it kind of bit you in the end, or is it something you're fairly connected to and you follow most of the time? So I'm I'm really big on on impulse. Um, my wife's a scientist, so she's really, she's the opposite of impulsive. So we're a good balance, but, <laughs> and that, that really plays a point whenever we, we have to shop for something because she'll stop me and be like, whoa, 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 we're not buying it right now. Hold on. Just wait and talk about it. But I feel that in, in the sense of a business, um, you need to justify your impulse. So I was always the thing as a recruiter that I said, if you meet someone and you have a weird feeling in your stomach, they're not your employee, but you need to figure out why. Because if you figure out why, you can change your job description, change your questions, whatever the case may be. But if your gut tells you something's wrong and you're not stuck in your own head, then then stick with that. Um, so, so I'm quite big on that. And with my business, if I feel weird, if I feel like something's itching me, I don't like it, something. That's mm-hmm. when I go into like, okay, great. Let's look at the data and let's see, let's quantify it. Because, you know, 
opinions can be scary because we do tend to portray our insecurities onto onto things, especially our business. So if I'm feeling like I'm slow, there's been times where I said to my wife many, many times, um, oh, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I don't know if I'm going to make money. And, and it got to the point where she was like, just stop. Just just wait a week because I'll be, I would, I'd be slow and I would be like, oh my God, I can't do this. I'm slow. I'm not going to make any more money. And then my wife would get to the point of being like, you say this all the time, but you do uh, more and more every month. Yeah. So, so it's about kind of like listening to your gut, quantifying it, but making sure you're not letting your own uh, insecurities kind of uh, make decisions for you. So it's always about the data, but you got to listen to that gut. Yeah. And there's a bit of a balance between the two or I don't know, some kind of, um, I like what you said that you'll know quickly if it's the wrong choice or decision or path. Yeah. You know, a lot of, I mean, when I used to do the recruiting side, a lot of people would have a weird feeling and then, and then say, oh no, it's probably just me. It's probably just me. So for me, I'd say, if, if you think that, then like figure out why. I don't know. You do. Yeah. Let's go backwards. Let's walk through it, <laughs> you know, because it always is. Sometimes it's people just don't want to admit it, you know, uh, and there is the rare case where their own, if we're talking about hiring, I would have clients that I used to call it the the um, the X methodology, meaning that they treat the current employee like their ex-employee. So they might be like, do you like to show up on time? So they they might broadcast concerns and that might might do it, but the gut was still the same. So they would still have the like, I don't know about this person. And I would say like, what is it? And then dig in from there. If it was recruiting, it'd be like, let me check references and quantify what you're saying. Or, you know, if it's a, a, if I'm talking to a business owner and someone's like, I don't know, I don't think that hires is good for me. And it's okay, let's, let's delve deeper and figure out why. But it's, mm-hmm. it's important to trust your gut. That is so true. There's so many times I look back, I'm like, should have trusted my gut. Should have listened yeah. to what it said. There's right. a, there's a thing in business, at least I find that there is, um, where it's very easy to get wrapped up in your identity is the business and vice versa. How have you been able to navigate those waters and any suggestions for those who might be just uh, a little too invested in their identity as a business person and their a sense of success or, or not having success? So do you mean like the fundamental connection between you as an individual and the success of your business? Yeah, that sometimes it seems, especially with impact work, um, that what you're doing is so important and you're making a difference uh, or you're, you're using your creativity to make a difference that it becomes part of uh, who you think you are. And so if your business mm. is doing good, you start thinking it, beca- it becomes part of your identity, it seems. Mm-hmm. You yeah, it's a, for yourself? It's a, or? I, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a big thing, especially in... Uh, if you're in a smaller community where you're, you might be getting a reputation sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this ties back to the humility for me is that if I'm, I do what I can do when I can do it, you know, and I, I, early in my sales career, I was all about the fake it till you make it kind of a mentality. So mm-hmm. then you do get wrapped up because you've built a persona. And when you have this persona, you think that you have to do certain things and you should act certain ways and you shouldn't do certain things. And then then it becomes overwhelming because you get absorbed by this uh, persona that you've created that's not who you actually are. Uh, a giant thing for me is that I, I want to be who I am. So I'm very, very genuine. I'm genuine when I'm on LinkedIn. I'm genuine in person and I... Don't let my ego get out of control. So even if I have someone say, "Trevor, you're you're an amazing photographer," I see, I, you know, I, th- I really appreciate that. Keep the bar lower for me. Keep it. Keep call me <laughs> mediocre. I'm 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 more happy with that. Um, but I think that's the balance that I try to strike. 
is the balance between understanding who you are as a person and not changing who you are because of something that you're putting out in the world. Hmm. That's a big one. That that is a that's a tweetable moment right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> not that I use Twitter. <laughs> no, see, I use it barely because I stick to my lane. <laughs> yeah, stick LinkedIn all the way. Actually, I I have to say I've I'm going through like a uh, social media midlife. I don't want to use the word crisis, but mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe awareness of some yeah. sort. Where after after twenty years of playing the game on Facebook and and you know now Instagram, which I just really can't jive with. It just doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. resonate with me. That I'm like, right. what you know? I just yeah. So a lot of what you say really um, hits home to me. Where where LinkedIn, I feel I can be I can be more me, and I'm more able to speak to the people that the audience that. A, who may hire me, but also who that's where I do my work. You know, that's where I make my impact. So. And that's yeah. the, that's the thing is yeah. even when it comes to other platforms, like if you, it's funny when you see it doesn't resonate. I used to post daily for years on Instagram because mm-hmm. I was a photographer. I'm a photographer. So I'm supposed to post my work and I'd get likes, which would give you a little, you know, uh, dopamine hit. You feel good about yourself and fade. So you do it again the next day and that so on and so forth. And then strategically, I was like, what is this doing to me? And you build up a fallacy of, oh, I'm getting likes or I'm getting, you know, people commenting. That means I'm getting success. Well, that doesn't really. Mm-hmm. So really the, the connection to the work is everything. So now I enjoy being on LinkedIn and I enjoy scrolling through my feed and finding, uh, you know, people that I can be like, oh, that's amazing. I love that you're doing that for the city. Love doing that. To me, that means something and it's, it's genuine. And then that translates. So when I meet that person, it's not this fake kind of, oh, I liked it because I really wanted to get you in my studio. No, it was, I liked what you're doing. And, it, you know, the funny thing is, is that when I when I really dialed in my marketing in the sense that I really kind of delved into just LinkedIn as an example, um, I found that the I, the clientele that was booking me were, were just kind of like me, which sounds crazy. But I, I made the joke about this the other day to a friend of mine that most of the clients I have feel like they're good friends by the time they leave. Mm. And it's not fake. It's because when you're when you're genuine and you're in into something that you quite enjoy being LinkedIn, as for me, for example, then you're putting your heart into it. It's not fake. You're not coming up with weird things to post. It's from the heart or from your client's experiences. So you, you will build a following of people that really want that. Um, mm-hmm. And that makes your clients feel like friends. It's, it's just a wild, it's a wild thing that works so well for me. That is awesome. I love that. Um, wow. You know, this gives people permission that they don't have to be everywhere all the time. And I think that's a gift. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Makes it, it makes life. I used to spend untold amount of hours. I'm sure like you two thinking, okay, what am I going to put on Instagrams? And I, you know, try to come up with something clever, mm-hmm. you know, oh, make sure there's a call to action, put all the hashtags. And for anybody, if you ever see my, my LinkedIn, I don't use hashtags and I don't use call to actions and I don't put my website links ever. I don't do any of that because all I'm trying to do is grow, uh, uh, have a conversation with people that are like-minded professionals. So I don't need hashtags to try to accelerate growth because I'm not about that. I'm just about having communications with people that want to see what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just makes a very big difference with your the reach for sure. I love that. I'm going to continue to follow you on LinkedIn because mm-hmm. I do enjoy your content and your you get literally the energy that you put out there. And awesome. uh, I def I find a lot of uh, guests on LinkedIn. Obviously, now people know I where I spend most of my time as well. But I definitely get more meaning and kind of a uh, sense of community out of it for sure. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I, we could chat forever, and I'm sure there's so much you could um, insights you could provide business wise, but on the personal side as well. You know, here's one more question to kind of wrap it all up because I don't want to be cognizant of your time as well. 
what is, now this is kind of a big one, so don't feel pressure. What hmm. is the best wisdom that you have ever received? Oh, do what you say you're going to do when you're going to do it. Nice. I had a, a, I had a boss a long, long time ago, and uh, we were talking about uh, clients or whatever, and she was like, did you, did you do that thing that you said you were going to do when you were going to do it? And I was like, yeah, of course, yeah. And she's like, that's what I want you to do for everything. Do what you say you're going to do when you're going to do it. So if you say, I'll follow up with you tomorrow afternoon, you follow up tomorrow afternoon. Hmm. If you say, uh, I will, if for me, if I say, I'll get your images in seven days. If it's eight, it's a failure. If it's four, it's good. Hmm. So, so it's really, you know, being true to who you are because that allows people to have more confidence in letting you do what you do best. And if you do things like you, you, lose that confidence by not doing what you say you're going to do when you're going to do it. That's how you start to damage relationships. And, and it's not the good way to build a business. Hmm. So say it one more time for us. So we can just drive it home. Do what you say you're going to do when you're going to do it. That is some good wisdom and uh, life notes to live by for sure. Hmm. Trevor, thank you for taking, I know you're busy. I know you travel and you're, you're doing your work, you're doing your thing. Um, but thank you for being on passion for impact. And I truly hope someone who's listening uh, has that moment where they're like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to cross that bridge, take the jump. And they have a little bit more confidence to do it because of the wisdom you shared. So thank you. Thank you for having me on. It was a, it was absolutely great. Hopefully somebody does get something from this for sure. Sure they will. Passion for Impact is sponsored by the Inspire Store. Need a gift that inspires? Inspire Store features exclusive ethically made goods and jewelry that embodies these three words. Yes, you can. Every purchase supports Food Banks Canada. Plus, you will receive Trisha Miltimore's popular personal development Shift Up e-course. Empowerment awaits you. Shop with impact at inspirestore.org. If you love learning how to live and lead in a caring and fulfilling way, and you find this show inspiring, please share with your friends, rate and review this podcast. Passion for Impact, it's brought to you by Rock Your Leadership. We train leaders on how to grow success, drive change, and not burn out. Visit passionigniter.ca for more details. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Passion for Impact podcast. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash podcast to subscribe for episode notes, links, and special offers from show guests. Cast your vote. Make your impact. One socially conscious choice at a time.